0: I'm going to start this morning with a question before we get started on this morning's service. Um, as always, the worship team has done a fabulous job in uh, framing uh, the service and the message and uh, in ushering the Spirit into this place. So let us go to, to the throne of grace in prayer. Almost oh, gracious and all wise God, The preaching hour has arrived, and Father, I want to see your glory in this place. All honor belongs to you and you alone, and Father, because I want to see your glory and I want to see you honored, what I need is less of me and more of you. I need you to move in the atmosphere today that uh, we may know that we have been in thy holy presence and that somehow, way, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that somehow we be different than whence we came. And so, Holy Spirit, just have your way this morning. Just move from heart to heart and breast to breast and let these people like I do sense your presence in this place. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be found pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O my Lord, my strength and redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to start out with a question this morning, and um, I'm going to ask you, are you armed? I don't mean with your Winchester or your Remington or your 357 Magnum or your, your Glock. I'm asking this morning, are you armed with the word of God? You know, oftentimes when I am struggling with an issue, I'm having a difficult time wrapping my mind around something. It's it's bigger than me. It's larger than me. And, and, And I even have a difficult time articulating to God exactly what it is that is on my mind and in my heart that I want to say. So often when I'm in that dilemma, when I'm in that place, what I have found to be helpful for me is to simply make a confession to God that this is bigger than me. It's more than I can handle. And I have found, uh, Sister Leanne, that when I do it, it opens me up to begin to listen to the Holy Spirit and allow it to minister to me. And so this morning, I'm going to start in a bit of an unusual place. I'm going to have you stand this morning, and I want you to read a confess- our confession for today and this morning. And I'm going to ask you, Crossroads, to please read it out loud that I might be able to hear you this morning, amen? Amen. And so, if we would read this confession together. I confess. facing today. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of our God. Our scripture text for today is found in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and of the joint and the marrow, and it is a discerner of faults and intents of the heart. You know what, Pastor, and you know this. Expository preaching has fallen on hard times. Uh, Many of us have short attention spans because we've been used to half-hour television programs and other modern means of media, uh, and we can't handle 40-minute sermons. And sadly, many pastors have acquiesced to that ideal, uh, to that advice, and they give what they call 15-minute talks designed around some need to feel good. We're to never, as ministers of the gospel, mention sin or anything else that'll make anybody feel uncomfortable. Unfortunately, this approach to ministry is an inherent denial of the power of God's words, to convert sinners and to build us up. And by pointing out our sin in our lives of God's people, it gives us an opportunity to share God's grace, which was wrought by Jesus on the cross. And the design of this message this morning and the verse we just read is to show that we cannot escape the notice of God. Any insincerity in our heart and unbelief will be detected. Hypocrisy will be detected. And since our hearts are perfectly open up to him, we should be sincere and should not attempt to deceive him. The truth is that God in his word is all penetrating and searching and that our real thoughts and intents of insincerity and self-deception of the hearts will be brought to life. Our conversations, through conversations, and, and, and it becomes impressed upon our hearts and our memories that when the word of God is preached, that it is a powerful truth whether it's communicated through the preacher, whether it's been impressed upon your heart or your memory by the Holy Spirit, there is no escape from the penetrating works or penetrating, searching application of God's word. The truth has power to show us who we really are. Martin Luther says it this way. He said, the Bible is alive. He said, it speaks to me. He said, it has feet and it runs after me. He said, the word of God has hands and it lays hold on me. And when you are open to God and his word and his will, that's exactly what his word will do. See, the Bible is a dangerous book. It will cut you it will make your conscience go out. And when the word of God does that, don't harden your heart. Let God do surgery by cutting the cancer of sin that is in our lives out through the revealed word of God. That's why the verse says this in Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful. It is sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow. Listen, it says, and it is a discerner of faults and the intents of the human heart. See, throughout the world, there have been individuals, real and fictional who have been uh, identified through almost an inseparable and inseparable from the weapons of choice. For England, it was King Arthur and his sword Excalibur. In the Middle East, it was Ali and his scimitar Zophikar. And for Spain, it was El Cid and his long sword Tizanoma. And for Scotland, It was William Wallace and his unnamed Claymore. The sword is the only uh, weapon uh, listed by Paul that has offensive capabilities. Even when we are dressed completely in the armor that is equipped on us perfectly without a sword, we are merely a well-armed moving target. See, the sword... Is the word of God. And perhaps the word ought to be so identified by us that they are inseparable. See, there's a reason why we know the name of King Arthur's sword and not his footwear. King Arthur and his sword were inseparable. And that's how the believer is to be between the word of God and us, it ought to be inseparable. Or oh, I hope you hear me this morning. And the rest of the army is undoubtedly uh, uh, vital and appropriate, but the sword is the only thing that allows us to attack the enemy and to do what needs to be done for the kingdom. What did the sword do for the Roman army? A Roman soldier and infantryman would go into the battle armed with his gladius, known as the sword that conquered the world. The prowess of this gladius in close combat was a fearsome tool when handled by a skillful Roman warrior. When its double edge was sharpened, it would wreak havoc on the armor of the foes, while its tapered point could pierce through any heavy metal armor. And what Paul does for us as believers, he lists one weapon because we only need one weapon. There is no enemy that the word of God coupled with his spirit cannot defeat. And so armed with the sword, the word of God, we step out to fight our enemy head on. The struggle is real and it is immediate and it's in front of us right now. Our future in God's kingdom is on the line. We are to take up this battle that we might hold fast to the future of God's promises. There are things that we ought to know and hold on to the word of God. We need as believers to greatly reverence the word of God. Whenever we feel ourselves dead, especially in prayer, We are to get close to the word of God, for the word of God is alive. Whenever we feel weak in our lives, let us go to the word of God and Christ in the word for power. If you have need as a minister or someone who works in the ministry or anything that will cut the believer or the hearer's heart, then I'm asking you to go to the book for it. And lastly, since the book is meant to be a discerner or a critic of our thoughts and our intents, of our hearts, then let the book criticize us. See, I don't need Pastor Eddie if I'm a reader of the Word. I don't need Pastor Eddie to tell me where I'm coming up short. I don't need Belinda to tell me where I'm coming up short, even though it doesn't help. If I'm a reader of the Word, the word will tell you where you are coming up short. And we are we are to allow the word of God to criticize us. If you want to show your spouse where it's coming up short. Take him to the word. If you want to show Pastor and, uh, Eddie and I where we're coming up short. Take us to the word. It is the word that is a discerner of our hearts. It is the word that that, that tells us the secret things of our hearts. See, we are so blessed, church, because we fight knowing the end of the story. There are many powerful promises in God's word that tells us if we remain dedicated to God and his word that we will make it in the end and we will be saved. There is no doubt in that statement. God's promises are sure. As the one he told Isaiah in the 46th chapter in the 11th verse, here's what he says to Isaiah. I have spoken it and it also and I will also bring it to pass. God says, I have purposed it and I will also do it. So take up your sword because the battle is ours. The Word of God is truth, plain and simple. We can can have perfect confidence in the fact that His words are accurate, true, and unerring. And when followed, it guides us without fail in the paths of righteousness that we should walk. God's Word, the Holy Bible, It illuminates, it reveals, it shows to us the good and the bad, the wise and the unwise. And it is the ultimate tool in learning to live life best as possible, free from stumbling in darkness. Oh, if I got Bibles readers in the house this morning, this is what the Word of God says about the Word of God. In Psalms 119, 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. John 17 and 17 says this, sanctifying them by your truth. Your word is the truth. We can be destroyed by the lack of knowledge. We're reminded in the book of Hosea, but we will be blessed if we hear and keep the word of God. In the United States first war, War I. There was something called trench warfare. You've seen the old movies. You've seen the soldiers lying in the trenches with gunfire and bombs going off overhead. But it wasn't until the soldier came out of the trench that the enemy really opened up his attack and began to unload all of his big guns on his enemy. Guess what, church? You're now saved. And as far as the devil is concerned, you have come out of your trench. And he will do anything he can to oppose you and stop you. You are now a Christian soldier. You are armed with the word of God. You are now now a potential threat to the enemy of your soul, the devil. He knows you belongs to Jesus. He knows that you will never go back because he knows he can't stop you from being a believer. His next best thing he tries to do is stop you from being a committed one. He fights and tries to stop you from serving the Lord, to stop you from reading the word and praying to God. He's afraid that he might lose countless other soldiers because of you. But God's word says, we're not ignorant of the Satan's devices. One of the, the devil's favorite devices for the believer is discouragement. What is discouragement? It's when it's a loss of courage resulting in a lack of faith in God's promises. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He tries to get you looking at your own mistakes of sins and weaknesses and failures. And he picks at your flaws over and over and reminds you how you come up short constantly and that you are blowing it. He blows it out of proportion. See, one of the devil's favorite tactics he knows that it is impossible for you to defeat him as long as we keep we as long to defeat him as long as we keep fighting him with the word of God. He tries to pursue us. He tries to tell you you are a hopeless case. But if we want to win, we have to surrender and give ourselves over to God and His Word. We ought to start praying. We ought to start quoting scriptures. We ought to start reading the word of God. And we can then declare that the devil is a liar. You have to fight discouragement with prayer and with the word. Then your faith will begin to grow. Your doubt will begin to flee. And you'll be on the road to victory. Jesus used the word to counter Satan's attack. We must learn like Jesus did, that we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The all-powerful sword of the living God is able to cut through every defense of our enemy. He is able to cut down to the very division of the bone and the moral. When wielded by the servant of God, nothing, I say nothing, can withstand the cut of the law. It cuts us to our core. It uncovers truth. We are the soldier in God's army and it is our responsibility to use the Word of God to discern the truth and then follow it. When God's Word shows us something is wrong, we can use this spiritual weapon to surgically remove the offending fault or action. We find out in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. Here it is for the Bible readers in the house. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the stronghold of human reasoning and to destroy false false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts and and teach them to obey Christ. Unlike all of the other armor of God, the, the Word of God is our solely defensive weapon. And it is a both, has both offensive and defensive capabilities. It is an invaluable weapon for the believer. In our text, verse 12 is one of the greatest Bible verses in the Bible. Bible. Because it has great power. The author has been warning the Hebrew people the danger of not believing in God's word and believing in the promises of God. It references Psalm number 95, where it referenced the tragic example of Israel in the wilderness. Although they had come out of Egypt by applying the Passover blood, although they had passed through the Red Sea, they had been sustained in the wilderness with provisions of water and manna, and they did not trust or obey God's word. And as a result, they failed to enter into God's rest, which is a picture of salvation. The connection of Israel in the wilderness, that they had, the God of, they had God's word and disregarded it. We should not follow their example. If we are obedient to the word, it will do a powerful work in our hearts. And if we hear it and allow it to expose our sin and then obey it, since God sees and knows everything, including our very thoughts, we would be fools to disobey his word, his life-giving word. And listen to this warning. If we refuse to do God's will and obey his word, it will bring sure judgment. Because God's word is powerful to expose our sins. We must be diligent to have our hearts right before God. By the word of God, we may understand that the Lord Jesus Christ was the word, and in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God in John 1.1, and that is indeed true. But we are to understand his written word, the Holy Scriptures, which is the word of God. It is said in our text, it is quick, that it is very lively and active in all of its efforts to searing the conscience of the sinner and also cutting the heart and conforming our sins and binding up our wounds of our souls. It is quick compared to light which there is said, nothing is quicker, the word of God is. It's not only quick, it's also quickening. It is a lively word. See, saints die, and sinners die, but the Word of God lives on. All flesh is like grass, it withers away, but the Bible says the grass may wither, and the flowers therefore fall away, but the Word of God will endure forever. It is powerful by God's Spirit, it convicts powerfully, it converts powerfully, it comforts powerfully. It is so powerful that it pulls down the strongholds of Satan. It can raise the dead. It makes the deaf hear. It allows the lame to walk and the blind to see and the dumb to speak. It is so powerful that it will pull down the, the kingdoms of Satan and build Christ up on its ruins. It's powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts both ways. It said in the Bible in Ephesians 16, put on the salvation helmet. Take the word of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It is a two-edged sword that cometh out of the mouth of Christ. Revelations 1 and 16 says, he held seven stars in his right hand, and the sharp two-edged sword came out of his mouth. And his, and his face was like the shining in all of its, the sun in all of its brilliance. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It will enter into the human heart where no other sword can go. And it would make the most critical dissections and, and divide the pieces unto sunder of the soul and the spirit. And it, and, and it, or the soul that has been proud it for a long time, it'll make it humble. And for that perverse perverted mind, it will make it meek and obey obey God. Those sins, those sinful habits that have become almost shaken, second nature to our soul, there is a, a deeply rooted in us, there is one sword that can cut sin in our life. It will cut off ignorance from understanding. It will cut off enmity of the mind where there is enmity in the mind between and against God. The sword will divide all the way down to the joints and the marrows, to the most secret, closed, intimate parts of our body. This sword will cut off lust from the flesh and the mind and make men willing to undergo the most serious and sharpest operation of their life for the mortification of sin. The Word of God is is the discerner of thoughts in the intents of the heart and the most secret thoughts that remain in our hearts and the desires that we don't want anybody to know about. It will be discovered through the word, the vileness of our faults and purpose. The word will find us out. The word is true. It will turn the sinner inside out. Will you? It will let you see the seriousness of your heart and how it fights against an almighty God. If we would just believe and allow the work to have its way, it will move us to faith and obedience to an almighty God. The Word, the Word will have its perfect work in us. The Word will move us where we need to be in God. With that in mind, It only makes sense that if the living God has spoken to us in his written word, then we should seek it like a treasure and devour it like a hungry man would devour a meal. Being the word of God, it is both a word from God and a word about God. It is the only source of knowing the specific truths about God. See, creation can reveal God's attributes to us in a limited way. But the Word of God, we get to know God in a way that creation could never tell us alone. And so with that, we started with a confession. That, Lord, maybe we haven't Taking your word as seriously as we needed to. Maybe we've skimmed over the pages and really hadn't let it saturate in our hearts. Maybe we haven't really understood what the word of God is and the power that it possesses in the life of a believer. If we would just allow the word of God in our hearts, Open it up. Read it prayerfully. Said, Lord, show me where I'm coming up short. Show me where I can improve and get better. Lord, you know, there's some stuff I've been keeping from people. but your word said, I can't keep it from you. And Lord, since you said in your word that you know me, will you allow your word to have its way? Will you allow your word to help me victorious, to be victorious in the situation where I struggle? You told me I got your spirit all I've got to do is arm myself with the word and my life will start being transformed into what you want it to be shouldn't that be our desire to be all that God wants us to be Aren't we so blessed that he left his book of instructions for us? His will? Anybody hearing me? Anybody know how fierce a weapon this is in the hand of a believer? You can speak to the things in your life and tell it to go. In the name of Jesus. This word does a far better job than Pastor Eddie and I could ever do. Because we have to filter it through this human vehicle. But you, can go to the Word prayerfully and ask God to lead you, your thoughts, your intents. If you would stand again for me this morning. We had our, our opening confession. The Word has been preached and declared in our hearing. Can we close this morning with this prayer today? And again, if you would read it out loud. Lord, I know that your word has the power. Come on, church. this decision to plant your word deep in my heart. Amen. And then speak it and to release its power in my life. Amen. Amen. Having just audibly said this prayer, I pray that you meant it from the bottom of your heart. And if there's something that you're struggling with this morning, that we can help you pray through, we want you to know this altar is open. If you want to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's someone here that will take you through the Lord's prayer so that you might surrender your life unto him. And so as the praise band does the invitational song, we ask that you would open up your heart today. Receive ye Him. And the Word of God in your life allow it to transform and change you. In Jesus' name.